This show is brought to you by Drift Outfitters in Toronto at 199 Queen Street East. Drift is remaining open during these difficult times, but with a new way of getting you your fly fishing goods without allowing customers into the shop. Visit them online at driftoutfitters.com to order products and take advantage of free shipping across Canada on orders over 100 bucks. Why not help them out during this difficult time for small businesses? Give them a shout out on Instagram. Got a great photo to share? Tag at Drift Outfitters. Also, you can tag your fly tying picks with hashtag self-isolation to show your friends and your followers how you're spending your downtime. Giving Drift more exposure and love right now is one way we can help keep them going. These are tough times, and we must find a way to continue supporting our community store. Visit driftoutfitters.com for more information. Hello and welcome to another episode of So Fly. It is March 25th. We're still in lockdown. This is uh, your Sunday weekly episode, uh, now that we're doing that. Uh, my name is Mitch. We've got Aldo. Hey, everybody. We you got Yelma. Hey, everyone. And we've got a very special guest on the show. Um, it's uh, He's an angler. He's an author. He's actually lives in a place, well, he's from a place that we just recently fished, Rockport, Texas. We've got uh, Aaron Reed on the show. Aaron, how's it going? Hey, it's going great, man. It's uh, good to see you guys uh, virtually and uh, to meet you virtually. Yeah. Um, best thing, best thing that's happened during my lockdown day today. Yeah, right on. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good to it's good to meet you too. It's fun kind of doing these because we're doing them over uh, like video chats, so we're actually able to see each other. Because uh, normally we're in a studio, so you know if we're gonna have to do these things over the phone, at least we can see each other as we chat and and uh, enjoy some some beverages. Right on. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm drinking a, a Labatt Blue. Yilma's got 40 Creek going on there, right, Yilma? Uh, yeah, I got 40 Creek. I got it in a little, because uh, we're doing video, so I got a little coffee coffee mug here. Nice. And it's tasty as hell, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, Aaron, what are you drinking? What are you drinking, Aaron? I'm drinking a Balcones uh, Texas Pot Still Bourbon. That's a, it's a, a distillery up in Waco, actually. Oh, and cool. uh, they make they make a bunch of different expressions, but this is kind of their baseline bourbon expression and it's pretty good stuff oh wicked yeah it looks good nice so yeah aaron uh um he uh, reached out over an email uh, a little while ago and him and i hopped on the phone and uh, aaron sent us a copy of his book which is what we're going to be talking today fly fishing austin in central texas so your book is due to come out like right it was supposed to be coming out right now yeah the official release date is may 1 yep. and uh we had a we had a whole uh publicity tour planned and uh, all of our shelter-in-place orders are, are right now through May 11, and uh, we'll probably—I'm guessing—will be extended. So, uh, yeah. So that's not happening, but the book will still be available. And uh, you know, if you want to get out and practice some social distancing on Central Texas streams, it could help you out. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to hear all about the book. I think it's um, all, Texas. I mean, we've had a—we scraped the surface in terms of fishing in Texas, but it was one heck of a ride. So, uh, yeah, it's really cool to be able to chat with you today about it. Whereabouts are you uh, calling from, Aaron? Uh, I'm calling from Georgetown, Texas, about uh, 30 miles north of Austin. Okay, right on. So why don't we just start with then, um, like, how you got into fly fishing at all? Because you're from Rockport originally? I am. And and let me tell you, it was a real treat uh, listening to your show. Uh, and, Mitch, I'm really sorry about the stomach bug. Oh, man. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> but, uh, it, was a real treat. it was a real treat seeing my hometown uh, through your eyes uh, on that show. Yeah. And uh, as you were talking about your your three days of fishing, I 
I was like, oh, they were in St. Charles Bay that day. Oh, they were in Lighthouse Lakes that day, yeah. you know, and yeah. uh, just, um, you know, I knew exactly where you were. I knew, I knew what it looked like. And um, it was, uh, it, it was just really cool to, to hear. So yeah, I grew up down there and uh, my parents grew up down there. Uh, when I was uh, a kid, yeah. I, it, I think the population was about 3,800 or something. And I mean, it's not huge now, it's probably mm -hmm. what, 10 or 12,000, but, uh, but, uh, there wasn't a lot to do in Rockport, uh, except fish and duck hunt. And, um, that's what I grew up doing there. Uh, fishing conventional gear mostly, uh, until I was probably, I'm going to guess in my twenties Yeah. and, uh, fly fishing for redfish, exactly what you guys did was really taking off down there. And I'd see people do it, and I, I thought it was kind of exotic and maybe a little silly. I had no idea. And, uh, but I did buy a fly rod in eight weight and, and started taking it along on my fishing trips. And I'd beat the water for a little bit, get frustrated, pick up my bait caster, and yeah. start throwing plugs or soft plastics again. Yeah. Uh, and that went, that went on through the early 2000s. And I uh, had a colleague who was an FFI certified instructor. And, I was doing a, an angler education, uh, retreat workshop one weekend and, uh, he, uh, he took me aside and said, Hey, let's, let's go do a lesson. So, um, he taught me some basics and that's still pretty much all I know. Yeah. And, uh, uh caught some fish on purpose yeah. and I was hooked. So, uh, yeah. So been, been doing it for about the last, uh, 20 years or so. And, and, uh, exclusively probably for the last five or six years. So your first kind of fish on the fly rod were reds? Oh man. Yeah. I think my, I think my first ever fish on the fly rod was a red fish. Oh, cool, Amazing. man. That's so cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah it might've been, it might've been a speckled trout, spotted sea trout. Sure. Uh, what right. Chloe caught, you know, in the canal, but it's um, still so cool though that like uh, th those are your first fish on the fly rod because it's like we're so used yeah. to hearing all the people we know the first fish on the fly rod was like a bass or maybe a trout or so it's really interesting to hear like oh it was a sea trout or maybe a, a redfish on the fly. I mean, geez, that's a pretty cool way to get into it. Yeah, it, it was. It'll ruin you for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the like? What's what's the allure to you about like fly fishing for redfish? Like, what's the fun in fly fishing for redfish? I mean. It's kind of an obvious question, I think, but I mean, I, I know y'all don't know, but it's like, what to you, what is the fun of it? Yeah. I mean, you guys nailed it. Um, it, it's everything just like every other kind of fishing, um, yeah. being out there, seeing the wildlife. Uh, um, I mean, there's just so much going on, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, mm -hmm. you guys talked about the rays, the birds, the dolphins, mm -hmm. um, the alligators, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, that's part of it for sure. Um, with redfish in particular, it's a lot more like hunting than fishing. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're stalking the fish, you're sighting the fish, you're presenting the fly specifically to that fish. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, uh, it's, I mean, you know, it's really active. It really engages, you know, every sense that you have and, um, requires a little bit of technical competence, you know, yeah. to, to get the fly. I mean, fortunately redfish are stupid, you know, or they're not stupid. They're very <laughs> aggressive and, um, they're hungry. But yeah, one of you guys mentioned that, that you hit the redfish, bonked him on the head and he turned around and ate the fly, you know? Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, so they're not, they're not super choosy. <laughs> yeah. Which so, makes them so fun, you know? Yeah, for sure. And they, and you know, and they pull like freight trains, Oh man. Uh, yeah. you know, you get these explosive takes and back when I was fishing, fishing conventional gear, uh, I fished a lot of topwater plugs and, uh, 
you know, a redfish has to invert itself to hit a topwater fly or topwater lure because their mouth is underslung and um, yeah. they would, you know, they'll basically kind of turn over and rock it out of the water to, to smack that, uh, that, that topwater fly or lure. So yeah. Yeah. it can be pretty explosive. Oh man, I bet. Um, growing up in Rockport, when we were there, Joe, our guide at Blue Lagoon Lodge was talking about, um, some of the tropical storms that roll through there. Uh, yeah. did, were, do, did you like, if there any tropical storms down? Like what, what was it like growing up in Rockport? Yeah. So, um, I imagine you guys had snow days in Ontario. Yeah. Um, we had hurricane days. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, built into our school schedule. That's hardcore. Yeah. So, uh, we, um, I, you know, and I remember, I remember school lighting out a couple of times for, uh, for tropical storms. Um, no hurricanes hit Rockport while I, while I lived there. Yeah. Um, yeah. but we had a number of tropical storms and, uh, you know, I remember seeing the, the water, you guys saw the, uh, the Harbor in downtown Rockport, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, seeing that water all the way up you know, over the town actually, you know, because of the storm surge and, um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it was exciting. Uh, one thing that happens during the storms down there is, uh, the rattles, the rattlesnakes or oh, snakes in general, but particularly rattlesnakes that live on the barrier islands end up on the, on the peninsula. Good God. So, so as, you're like, <laughs> as you're like sorting through all the, all the rubble and splintered piers and yeah. boats and stuff that are all, you know, lining the shore uh you've got to be especially careful about the snakes good jeez it rains rattlesnakes pretty much yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> it's crazy man yeah that's crazy i once I, you know i was i was out fishing near st charles bay uh on on the other side of uh blackjack peninsula which is the wildlife refuge i think that's probably where you guys saw the hog yeah um uh, along the intercoastal and uh uh a freaking rattlesnake swam across the intercoastal like right in front of the boat Oh man, you know, Whoa. I mean, so you've got rays, oh, thank you've, got, you. you've got sharks, you've got, yeah. you know, oysters, you know, you can cut your feet on yeah. and apparently, yeah. apparently you've also got rattlesnakes to worry about out there. That's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. That hog man. Holy smokes. That was a big pig. I was like I was standing on the bow and Aldo was in the boat or was it Aldo? Or was it? Well, yeah, it was, it, was, us, right? it was Joel. It was Joel. It was Joel. And it was Joe and Joel and I, and we were standing on that boat and we heard tre- like the earth just moving. And then we looked up and there was a pig the size of a bus. And Joe was like, I'm more scared of that than I am of that gator. I'm like, gator? I look over, it's just a giant gator. <laughs> I'm just like, holy Jesus, this place is crazy. <laughs> I was I was fishing out there with some friends one time, uh, some college buddies. And uh, uh, I had the guy drop me off, but it was a little crowded. So uh, they dropped me off to wade that that shoreline in St. Charles Bay on the, yeah. on the refuge side. And... Um, on the way in, it had rained a lot, so Cavasso Creek and Salt Creek, which run into there, had dumped a bunch of fresh water. And and on the on the way in, we had we saw these big log look things, log like things laying in the water, and they weren't alligators; they were alligator gar. Oh, and whoa. these suckers were like six to eight feet long, right? Yeah. Wow. And they've got just mouth mouthfuls of the of prehistoric teeth, you yeah. know. And uh, so we saw those, and we're like, "Oh, that's interesting," you know. And we go a little further, and we see you know, about an eight foot alligator. And then we see about a 10 foot alligator. Yeah. Like, oh, that's interesting. So we get up to, <laughs> we get up to where they're going to drop me off. And uh, I get out of the boat. I start waiting and I'm, I'm casting up towards the shoreline. Here comes a hog. Wasn't, wasn't a refrigerator size hog, but it was a pretty big hog. Yeah. Moseying along the shoreline. And then I hear a commotion behind me and I turn around 
and there's a school of black tip sharks just murdering the mullet behind me. Good God. And I pulled out my phone and, and called the guide and I said, yeah, just come pick me up now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> That's metal, man. That whole, yeah, that region's just like hardcore, you know, it was just like the landscape yeah. too. It looks just so, I mean, we experienced it. It was so otherworldly in a way, you know, right. Aldo. Yeah. Yeah. If, I mean, for us, like we're used to pine trees and, you know what we're used to <laughs> pine yeah. trees pine trees black bears and stuff and yeah. exactly and then i i don't know why i was surprised to see dolphins but i i guess it just wasn't in the forefront of my mind so when we were pulling like i, I think i said this on the podcast when we pulled out on the first day not even two minutes into the boat ride there's dolphins porpoising by the boat and i'm like yeah wait where am i so <laughs> and then cool. you're like then you start remembering, like, oh, right, I'm on the Gulf of Mexico. And, yeah. yeah. But uh, the, so much wildlife. So much wildlife. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's, it's duck I mean, open, it was duck opener, which added a, another layer to the, yeah. the sensory yeah. experience. <laughs> People in fan boats shooting ducks. And so that was pretty funny. I'm yeah, just well, listening to this because I haven't been, but I can't wait to go. I feel like this is like a tourism ad coming from all three of you guys. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you've got you've to get back down there. Uh, you know, oh, I mean, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you guys are going to do a repeat trip. I'd love to meet you down there. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, 100%. um, yeah. When, so growing up duck hunting, uh, you know, we'd build blinds every season. We'd, we'd decide, you know, this is the area we want to hunt. We go out and build a blind. And, um, uh, I don't duck hunt anymore, but then I would often take, uh, my shotgun and a fly and a, and a rod right. with me. And, because I mean, would you sit? You'd be sitting there waiting for the birds to fly, yeah. and you'd see a redfish tail poke up in the middle of your uh, wow. in the middle of your decoy spread. So cool, right? Yeah, that's yeah. such a fun way to just pass the day. Like, geez, Castle yeah, Glass is, are the yeah. finest. Absolutely. Yeah, God, that's cool, man. So, do you <laughs> go back to fish Rockport often these days, or? Um, I have not gone back often in the last uh, three years because I've been writing this yeah. freshwater book. Right. Um, and uh and i've missed it a lot so uh i have some trips planned for for this summer for sure nice. and uh, uh you know i also discovered snook at some point oh yeah and uh y you can find snook around corpus christi around the jetties on the beachfront but uh for really reliable snook fishing in texas you have to go all the way down to the southern tip of texas near the rio grande um south padre island port isabel right and uh there's a, just an outstanding snook fishery there and uh you know you can easily have a 20 or 30 fish day and um and big snook um so uh once i discovered that i kept bypassing rockport to right. go down south i actually lived down there for a year and guided for a year oh nice, so, oh, nice. Uh, a lot of respect to guides that's a, that's that's some hard freaking work right there oh god um, yeah but uh the uh yeah so you know, and they've got redfish and trout and flounder as well. Yeah. Um, but plus snook and juvenile tarpon and, you know, all the other stuff. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's mostly where I've been going. I've got some trips planned down there as well. Nice. Um, and, uh, but mostly it's been, it's mostly, it's been, you know, home waters in central Texas for the last, last couple of years. Right on. So you've been I, I do fish off the, I do fish off the tugboat. Uh, so. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause, right. Well, you got to talk about that. Yeah, we do. <laughs> what is the tugboat? Uh, it's a hundred foot long harbor tug, uh, and we push and pull ships around, um, turn them around, put them on dock, take them off dock uh, in the port of Corpus Christi. So uh, I work week on, week off down there, and 
Yeah. So, so this that's, is kind of your, that's your daily gig. You're a tugboat operator. That's it. I'm, yeah. I'm a tugboat uh, captain. That's, that's so my, cool. I, I love that, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. A tugboat captain. In relation uh, to Austin, how far is Corpus Christi? Uh, driving, it's about, uh, it's about three and a half hours. Okay. Yeah. Right on. So do you fly down to do your shifts or? No, drive? I drive. No. Okay. Yeah. I'll get up early on a Tuesday morning. Sense, yeah. Three or four, and, and drive down. I, my crew changes about eight thirty in the morning. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Well, it's not bad. It's not yeah, bad. It's, it's not too bad. Yeah. So it's, you know, I mean, I look at some of my friends who commute to Austin daily here, yeah. and I spend less time in the car in a month than they do. True. 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 Yeah. So, so what brought you to Austin then? <clears throat> um, I moved here in '95, I guess. So, after college, and uh, I lived in D.C. for a couple of years, uh, or northern virginia and uh came down here and, and got mar- married um and uh that marriage ended in divorce years later and uh remarried a, a high school uh sweetheart so nice. um well, anyway, it's a nice so, circle yeah. story yeah yeah so um i'm, I'm a I sucker a, for stories like that sorry <laughs> yeah man, awesome. yeah so i have a uh, i have a son uh from my first marriage he's 21 now and uh, a junior in college um also uh you know locked down right now yeah. uh, at home for the rest of his semester yeah. uh canceled um and uh and then two younger children nine and, and seven uh any so. of them fly fish they all fly fish yeah. ah, right on right <laughs> that's on. great <laughs> yeah yeah we were all all three of us were out last week uh chasing white bass and oh nice, uh, nice. you know had a nice, nice three mile hike and it was just a lot of fun that's fun that's cool okay so uh, I think what I want to know now is what is the book? So you've, you're, you're the author of this book. What is the book about for the people listening at home? And I think this will take us into kind of where you're fly fishing now and your whole fly fishing life now. Sure. Um, yeah. So the book is, uh, I mean, strictly speaking, it's a, you know, it's a fishing guide book. Uh, there it for, is. <laughs> for, God, it's, uh, it's thick. It is thick, isn't it? Yeah. yeah you know, I, I have friends uh, that after I got the first advanced copies they were uh you know i i handed over to him and i had one friend uh who was literally stumbling for words he's like uh uh man dude uh dude it's a book it's a real book (laughs) i don't mean to offend you but i didn't think that's what you were doing (laughs) that's awesome i don't know if people thought i was like writing a pamphlet or what but um yeah it's hefty um but uh (laughs) Yeah, it's a fly fishing guide, right? So it's got it's got over a hundred legal access points. Um, I think forty nine uh, detailed descriptions of routes, either wades or paddles. Yeah. Uh, on sixteen streams, within about an hour of downtown Austin. Amazing. Yeah. And originally, we were going to include lakes, ponds, and quarries. We've got a lot of those too. Yeah. Uh, and they can be productive, but um, there was too much moving water. So, and I, you know, I, I probably. Most people prefer to fish streams. I yep. don't know. Uh, I know I do. So, um, so that's what we included. So Texas is just full of water, right? Eh? Because like when I growing up in Ottawa, Canada, here, it's kind of like I always thought of Texas as reservoirs, you know, big bass fishing and stuff like that, right? But Texas yeah. is full of, like you say, just flowing clean, fresh water. Yeah, we've got like a uh, hundred ninety-one thousand miles of uh, of uh, streams in Texas. Jeez. And, and- and more inland water than uh, any any uh, state except Alaska. Oh, wow. So, 
um, yeah, it's a, it's a ton of water. Um, it's about, I don't know, I think I've figured it up. It's about 1.1 million acres of stream bed, wow. um, submerged land, um, which is as much as we have in all of the state parks or, uh, uh, wildlife refuges in the state. So what kind of fish can people expect to be catching in these, uh, in this, in this water apart from the coast? Yeah. So we've got, uh, we've got one trout stream. Um, it's advertised as the southernmost year round trout fishery in America. <laughs> nice. America. Um, it's a tailwater, uh, comes out of the base of, uh, Canyon Lake on the Guadalupe river at about 54 degrees or so. And, um, stays cold enough to support trout year round for about 10 or 12 miles. Okay. And, um, that gets heavily stocked by both the state and, uh, the local trout unlimited chapter. Um, the state puts generally smaller fish, uh, in there, um, you know, 10, 10 to 12 inch fish. Uh, the trout unlimited chapter puts fewer fish, but they put much bigger fish in, um, you know, including some 25, 26 inch trout. Yeah. And a lot of those fish will die, um, over the, uh, over the course of the summer. Um, but a significant number survive and become holdover fish. And I mean, you guys are probably familiar with this and, uh, and they get wilder and wilder the longer they're in the rivers. So you actually get some really big, beautiful fish that have been in there for, you know, a couple, three, four, five years. Yeah. And, um, and those are great fun. Um, yeah. So that's it. So that's the one trout stream. Um, and uh, there's, there's one small population of wild fish out in West Texas in the mountains, but uh, when no one's allowed, it's in a national park, no one's allowed to fish for it. Okay. Um, and other than that, it's all warm water species. Um, we have some introduced smallmouth bass, um, that caused, uh, quite a problem with our, uh, we have an, a native species an endemic species called, uh, Guadalupe bass. Yeah. That's actually. Oh, that cool. Sorry, hey. <laughs> My little cool. shirt of a Guadalupe bass with a Texas flag and a. A Steiner beer. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> a little six it. shooter too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and the and the and the come and take it. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah, uh, the, bat, the buckle. The buckle. Yeah. The buckle, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome shirt. So that's that's Nate Carnes out of uh, Missouri. Remedy Provisions. He he made that. It's pretty cool. Can I take a screenshot that's of your shirt really quick? Yeah, yeah, man. He's doing a whole. Uh, <laughs> I love it. He's doing a whole native fish series. Perfect. He did an uh, Appalachian brook trout hillbilly. Yeah. With a corn cob pipe and a jug of uh, a jug of uh, moonshine. It was pretty cool. Funny, funny. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So the so the the smallmouth uh, heavily intergressed the Guadalupe bass. They're pretty closely related, and um, it it became clear that we were losing our Guadalupe bass population uh, yeah. some years mm-hmm. ago. So the state game and fish agency, which in Texas is called the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department. Um, they have geneticists and uh, hatcheries and they took a deep dive into this and uh, tried to figure out some optimal stocking strategies for some of these streams to, um, to uh, recover the population and and force out the smallmouth genes and they, and they stopped stocking uh, smallmouth in most of these rivers. So, um, so anyways, that's been going on for a while and they've had some successes. Um, uh, So we've got that, we've got spotted bass, which also, hybridized naturally with Guadalupe bass. Yeah. Um, right. Got largemouth bass, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. And for exactly the reason you were saying that everyone thinks of reservoirs and bass tournaments in Texas, 
um, a lot of Florida bass have been introduced in Texas okay. and um, and those guys have hybridized with uh, primarily our native northern largemouth the same same fish you guys have up there yeah and um, but so we have that and uh, probably five or six uh, I, I list them in the book but five or six species of sunfish okay uh, which if you're it's healthy yeah, man. And if you're using light tackle, um, oh, yeah. you know, when I first started fishing these rivers, I, you know, I'd go out there with, I mean, I knew my eight weight wasn't appropriate. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was at least that smart, but I'd go out there with a five or six weight and you know, I kept catching these 12 and 14 inch fish, 10 inch fish. And I'm like, man, this just isn't very fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was in the canoe with the kids one day and came across a guy with this wispy little rod casting towards the bank. And I'm like, what is that? And he's like, it's two weight. I didn't even know they made two weight. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, you know, I've got like five of them now, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh so a two or three weight, uh, you know, kind of covers everything. I mean, you can, you can land carp up to, you know, safely up to four or five or six pounds and, yeah. uh, largemouth bass, Guadalupe bass and, and the sunfish are still a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, uh, so carp, freshwater drum, I think you guys call them sheepshead up there. We yes. call them gas. Yep. Blue, blue. Sheepshead. <laughs> um, you know, basically a freshwater redfish, right? Yeah. And, um, those That's guys are fun. And, um, yeah, catfish, if you want them, you know, um, you know, I, most of my friends aren't too picky. I mean, if it eats a fly and swims and tugs, we'll, we'll fish for it. I love it. I love that, man. That's great. I think that's the way to be how many, so it's a big fly fishing community down there. eh? like, do you, is it a, is there a lot of people fishing on the fly or like, I mean, I I assume there is with the way you're speaking about it. Well, yeah, God, I hope so. Cause they printed like 4,000 copies of this book. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> hope there are a few. I hope so. No, there, I mean, I, you know, I don't know how you judge that exactly, but, um, yeah. Yeti's headquartered here. Howler brothers is headquartered here. Oh, true. Howler, Howler brothers. I forgot about that. And Yeti, yeah, right yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And big, big inspiration uh, for us. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And, um, they should sponsor you guys. Don't you think? Yeah, totally. Love yeah, that. totally. We would love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I'll run down to headquarters and put a word in for you tomorrow or something. Thank like you, that. sir. Appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, but um, we've got, um, you know, we've got uh, two dedicated fly shops here in Austin, one north and one south. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got an Orvis store in Midtown. Um, yeah, we've got three fly shops along uh, the Guadalupe River, uh, um, you know, just south of us. Yeah. We've got, we've got five. FFI fly fishing clubs between Waco and San Antonio. I mean, Colorado, Colorado, yeah, Colorado has five in the entire state. Wow. Um, So yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a pretty healthy community. Um, um, uh, My buddies at Living Water fly fishing in Round Rock, they do a now bi-month or now monthly. They used to do a bi-monthly intro to fly fishing class on Saturdays free, including lessons what flies to throw what gear you need where to go cool and, um they would have 50 or 60 people show up oh geez Whoa. wow that's crazy wow at, at everyone first time fly fishers um so it's a it's a really cool community yeah um possibly because it's not known as a fly fishing community very widely i think yeah uh, people here are super friendly mm-hmm. they're like willing to show newcomers where to go um and, and also because they have a lot of water you know you talked about earlier about uh your two rivers that are open right now and everybody's there and yeah. i don't know if that's shoulder to shoulder combat fishing like i've seen on some salmon streams or whatever but <laughs> it can be <laughs> yeah okay yeah. yeah so 
I mean, down here, it's not like that at all. I, I mean, you pick a stream and you may see another angler that day. Um, but there's so much great water that um, there's every chance that you could be the only angler on that stream. You That's know, cool, man. In an you yeah. know what? It's cool. I love seeing the parts, parts of the world, parts of North America that aren't tr like what you would expect would be a fly fishing community, but they are a fly fishing community and they're fishing for like bass and they're fishing for redfish and they're fishing for like carp and whatever. I think that's so cool yeah. because it's like those stories we know we never we haven't heard those stories ever because all we're hearing about is trout from, you know, the west and stuff like that. I love those sure. types of communities. It's great. Yeah, it's I mean it's cool. kind of like our story around yeah. here. Exactly. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you guys fish for a little bit of everything up there, right? Pike, muskie, smallies, uh um, oh, yeah. and trout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, where where Mitch and I are from, like that's pretty much warm it's more it's warm water plus pike. Yeah. Warm water species where we're from. So it's very much that it's very much not what you'd expect to be a fly fishing place, but there's a community there too. And I think that's, I think it's great that that stuff kind of stuff's happening and that um, more places are getting into fly fishing in a big way. And yeah, Aaron, I agree. Aaron, weren't, you, weren't you telling me that it's one of the largest memberships of trout unlimited in the United States? Yeah, it is the largest trout unlimited uh, chapter. Guadalupe River Trout Unlimited is the largest trout unlimited chapter in the nation. Wow. Or I guess in the world. And you uh, only have one stream. <laughs> yeah. We have one stream, yeah. And we've got a couple in Oklahoma just north of the Texas border. Oh, right. And, and a lot of people here do do go out west to fish. I mean, it's from Austin, it's about 13 hours to 12 or 13 hours to some really good uh, Rocky Mountain um headwater right. stream right why not that's not bad i mean that's like us going to the gas bay or something like that yeah yeah, yeah pretty much yeah. And, and a lot of us a lot of us do that uh yeah. you know spring, spring through fall yeah so okay so you wrote this book well how did you what do you what how do you want people to use this book because i assume you wrote this book for your community and for people that maybe are coming to fish uh the austin region the texas region how do you want people to use the book what is your kind of goal yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I had a couple of goals for the book and, and we were feeling our way in a lot of ways. I mean, I've never written a book. I've written a lot of, I've, you know, I've written for a lot of magazines, mm -hmm. but I've never written a book before mm -hmm. and certainly not a guidebook. So, um, you know, we had to figure out the format and, you know, how to try to make it user friendly. So, I mean, you'll see in the, in the, the whole first part of the book, uh, like, you know, we call it first things. It's the first, uh, 58 pages. Um, it's, it's kind of, uh, designed to encourage people to start fly fishing, you know? Um, so I hope to reach some conventional anglers, um, okay. you know, or, people, or people who were interested and thought maybe it was too hard or too expensive. Yeah. Uh, and to show them that it's not really, I mean, it's neither of those things. And, uh, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, really anyone can do. And, um, so that was one goal to, to try to, you know, contribute a little bit to lowering those barriers to entry to the sport. Yeah. Um, I mean, you guys know we've, you know, we've kind of got a reputation as a community of being a little snobby or elitist or, or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that was deserved at, at one time, but um, I certainly don't think it is anymore. I mean, you know, yeah. fly, fly fishing's freaking metal, right? I mean, people, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've got, you've got all sorts of people out there doing this and, and, oh, yeah. you know, all walks of life. And, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, so, so that was one point. Um, the, uh, another one was just to, to provide, um, kind of a, uh, you know, a, a very literal destination guide, you know, go here, this is what you'll find. Um, and it's got lat long coordinates and, 
you know, direction, mm-hmm. driving directions and all yeah. of that. Yep. Um, so that was the second thing, just to be a, a useful compendium of, of location information and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, I, and go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think it's cool. Like that, to go back to that second point about accessibility, I think it's cool that you want to make fly fishing more accessible for people that might be interested in it. Cause exactly like you said, fly fishing has got this kind of snobby mentality. Maybe people like, especially some gear people are like, ah, fly fishermen are kind of like, you know, elitist and stuff like that. But I think if somebody's interested in fly fishing, that's cool. Like they should be able to feel like they can get into it. Cause like, if you have any interest in the sport, like it shouldn't feel like, oh, that's not for me. Like if you think there's something in it for you, like you should definitely feel welcomed. Right. I mean, yeah. it's something. It's something that, like Derek, and when we were in Indiana, like Derek at Flymasters, that's his approach too, right? Like his his shop stocks gear as well as fly gear because yeah. he hopes to make that connection between the two communities. Like he doesn't yeah. want them to be separate because ultimately, as a, com- a community as a whole, is going to take care of the resource, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, hundred percent, and. Yeah. Um, and earlier when I said that I've been fly fishing exclusively for the last four or five years, that's, that's primarily because I've just been, I've been on these streams up here and, um, and, uh, 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 you know, a three weight fly rod is the perfect tool for these streams. There is no better tool. Um, but, uh, you know, that doesn't, I mean, I've got some conventional gear and I'll use it again. I'm sure. Um, sometimes that's the right tool, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so, uh, I think, you know, anyone who's a gear fisherman, um, you know, we've got a lot of really fanatical bass anglers in, in the Austin area that fish the reservoirs and the lakes and yeah, uh, everything they know about largemouths. <laughs> Do I? I said I, I've always I, I know Texas is like huge largemouths. So whenever <laughs> I I see when I hear oh did you catch bass? Yeah, and it's usually like fourteen <laughs> pounds. <laughs> yeah, 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 ten pound fish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so. Um, but everything those guys and gals have learned about fishing, about bass, about, about their habits and what they eat, um, you know, every lure that they use, there's a, there's a, there's an analog and as a fly, you know, a fly fishing, uh, version of it. And, uh, and some of the lures they use are actually versions of flies that were here first. Um, so all that stuff they learned, all they need to learn to do is cast, you know, and, um, and that's not that hard. So, um, so I would hope that I would hope that the book would appeal to some of those folks. That's good. Um, and uh, you know, I want as many people fishing as possible. Uh, and in it, in it, that kind of rolls into my third reason for the book. And it became really clear to me as I was writing the book mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, we're going to be in a bind here. You know, in a, another decade or maybe sooner, uh, if if we don't really start taking care of these streams. So right. more people who are out. Somebody broke curfew, didn't they? Yeah, it did. I hear the siren going. I think it's in Yilma's uh, end. Yeah, He's down on my, King uh, Street. Yeah. Yilma, I'm, what's I'm going in, on? What's going on, yeah, Yilma? We got, <laughs> we got a siren. I know. Uh, oh, yeah. I'm at the heart of downtown Toronto. It's, yeah. it's noise. It's chaos. You know? yeah. 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 Even in this quarantine, I feel like it's like everybody's still out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, apparently someone was spotted standing, you know, too close to someone else. So, yeah, exactly. You know. yeah. Send the, send yeah. the fire, sound the alarms. Exactly. Um, so, uh, yeah, that yeah, third so, point. Yeah. So, so it became clear that, um, you know, if we don't get people mm-hmm. out on these waters as, you know, um, as stakeholders, you know, people who yeah. have an interest in these streams and as, as fly anglers, um, 
we, you know, unlike a, unlike a developer or, or a, a golf course manager or, yeah. you know, even a municipal water authority, yeah. we don't look as water at water as a commodity. Yeah. We, we love it for what it is. Nailing and it. I mean, just, just be a stream, yes. you know, be a healthy, be a healthy stream, you know, with the, with the riparian, uh, yeah. uh, you know, uh, vegetation exactly. and a healthy healthy bug life and healthy fish and adequate flow. That's all we want from it. Right. And anglers yeah. do that better than a lot of people. Right. Because they just see it differently. Whether yeah, it's just I mean, an innate, like re, like an innate connection to the water because they enjoy it. But it's funny they're talking about this because actually today Yilma sent me as a, a link in a chat that we have on Instagram this morning yeah. of in Etobicoke, which is about 20, 30 minutes just uh, west of uh-huh. Toronto. There was, there's a Creek, Etobicoke Creek. And uh, there was a, a spill of red ink about 400 liters of red ink was dumped into the creek and it turned the water into just this red kind of looks like blood just flowing through the river. And it's kind of insane because it's like, but they're fucking like revelations is what it is exactly yeah, yeah. i wonder if somebody's playing a, a prank on us and saying hey you know what i'm gonna make this look like yeah. uh, moses just came and it's a, it's well, that's, a seven that's it man people, and people are saying that right they're saying no but i think that it's like you know when i once you almost said that i was like jesus man like how's this and i wanted the first thing i wanted to know was what are the comments on social media on the news what are people saying about this thing and a lot of people were just like kind of joking and you know making yeah. jokes about it and i'm like I get it. I get that you're just, you know, laughing it off. It's a tough time right now too, but it's like, I, I want to know like who the hell did this? Who's responsible yeah. for this thing? This kind of stuff can't happen. And I, I feel like more invested in, I feel more angry about it. I think because I'm an angler and I think a lot of people are just kind of like, Oh, there's this Creek that's in my backyard. Like, and yeah, Red, look at this that. is our, this is our buddy. He came on the show once. His wow. name is Josh on the fly. Yeah. Uh-huh. He sent me this and he's like, the Creek's red. Yeah. Josh. Yeah. <laughs> So wow! So are, are the fish affected? Is the are the is the life the bugs? Are they affected? Do we know? Is there been a fish? I, uh, it's we just don't even happened know this morning. Yeah, I don't and know what Mitch the. Was, sorry, Elmo. What? No, I was just saying. Mitch made a good point. It's like they they've calculated that it's or estimated that it's four hundred liters. But like, okay, if you know that much, then how do you not know the source? The source, right? I know. I don't like, get that. So it's there's not a lot weird. of there's also not a lot of info about it because I don't think yeah. I think people are kind of just like whatever. It's kind of like they're also not. There's a lot of people that obviously care, and I don't want to make it seem like we're so evil, but like there is kind of just a like, oh, this thing happened and whatever, back to talking about this other stuff. And it's kind of just like, this is crazy, man. There has to be like a bad effect to the fish and and the wildlife. It's a bunch of the river is completely dyed red. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, what? So I think it's great to make that point of anglers are, you know, they they care a little bit more. We just see it differently, I think, right? Because we have that connection. Yeah, we do, and so we don't have any we don't have any ulterior motives either. I mean, we don't we don't need the water for anything, but but what it's already doing. And yeah, um, so uh, you know, so my concern is that we have those stakeholders, that we have enough people out there who have been on mm-hmm. some of these are minor creeks, um, you know, uh, small streams, um, people that have spent time there who love it, and and if uh, you know if. Uh, a municipality or, or someone comes in and says, Hey, we're going to build a sewage treatment plant here and dump, you know, whatever into the water. Or if somebody else comes in and says, Hey, we're going to divert this, or we're going to, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, pump it, pump it somewhere else or whatever, that there are people there to say, Oh, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. You know, this, this place is important for all these reasons. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and they have a voice, you mm-hmm. know, kind of thing. And, um, you know, and I'm not, I'm not anti-person. I, I love, people oh i mean 
actually, I don't really love people. I, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't love people. They're, they're persons that I really like a lot. Yeah. Uh, I just don't like a whole bunch of them in one place all at one time. Fair but, uh, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, I, I, I mean, I, you know, look, we're, we're part of the ecosystem too. Right. And, um, we're just another species that happens to be super, super successful, um, and has the unique ability to be thoughtful about what we're doing. Yeah. And yeah. when we do cause damage, you know, unlike a beaver, which, you know, may mm-hmm. flood, you know, an entire meadow or something, we can mitigate that damage, mm-hmm. you know, if we have the will to do it. So, um, you know, so I, I'm not anti-industry. I'm not anti yeah. development necessarily. I would just like people to do it in a, in a smart way mm-hmm. and uh, to consider the value of the streams. Yeah. Well, that's good. I think that, I think that, I mean, I mean, are those all the reasons you wrote the book? Those, I mean, those reasons are amazing. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> Is that enough? That. I can come up with some more. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think that. Yeah. Well, uh, so here, here's one for you. So uh, two more. So uh, in relation to that third point, uh, you know, kind of the conservation angle, yeah. uh, worst case scenario um, you know, 30 years from now, this will be a snapshot of what these streams looks like in 2018, 2019, um, and uh, kind of a uh, stand as a monument to what we lost, I hope. Uh, I mean, I hope not. I mean, I hope that's not the case. Yeah, sure. uh, um, and then a, a fourth reason is that, uh, so working 183 days a year on, on a tugboat, being away from home, when I am home, my time's kind of compressed and um, you know, my wife also works and, but, you know, she's also been taking care of the kids and doing yeah. scouts and, you know, sports and whatever. Um, she's freaking tired by the time I get home. I'm tired by the time I get home, but um, she needs a break. And uh, it used to be before the book that I'd walk out the door with my fishing gear and she'd say, you're going fishing again. <laughs> um, after I got the book contract, she would, you know, find me on the couch or something and say, are you supposed to be out fishing? Don't you need to go scout a street? <laughs> so man, that, that worked out great. Yeah. I like yeah. that. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, That's that, good. That was a great unintended consequence. It turns into a bit of a gig, a job, right? Where it's like, Oh God, now I, I have to be fishing. Why am I, what am I doing? I got to be on the water. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> sure. Great. I yeah. love it. Too funny, man. No, I think that, uh, I think, I mean, all those reasons, I think that's an amazing reason to, to, I think it's great when people in the community want to want to be proactive about, you know, their fishing, their way where, where they fish and like tell people how to do it and tell people why they should do it. So, um, thanks. I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I think, um, like coming from looking at like the GTA, like in Toronto here, like we're maybe working from behind or whatever, like it's gone a certain way and there are people who care about the rivers that's, you know, working on them now. Where's Austin on that timeline? Do you think like, mm, yeah. I don't, I don't know the population of Austin, but like, are you growing? Do you think you, you can grow with the watershed or I guess like what, where's Austin right now? So um, I think this year we're going to crack a million uh, in the Metro mm, okay. um, and, uh, or in the city itself, actually. Um, I think we're maybe the 13th or 14th largest city in the States at this point. Um, a lot of that growth has happened in the last 10 to 15 years. And, um, uh, it, I mean, it has been, uh, explosive. So, um, the County I'm in, so Austin is in Travis County, uh, Georgetown, Round Rock, we're in Williamson County adjacent, um, is either 
the first or second or third or fourth fastest growing county in the country. Um, Austin has been one of the top, the three fastest growing metro areas in the country for like the last five or 10 years. Um, it's, a great, it's a great city, right? Like I've, I've always wanted to go, you know, I've had a huge interest in music my whole life. Food, of course, it's a great yeah. place to live, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and, yeah. and a lot of green space, right? And, right. Um, you know, we've got the Colorado River running right through town and all the tributaries. And um, it's so, uh, so we, we've got a ton of folks moving from California. Um, I mean, you can sell a three bedroom, you know, 1700 square foot ranch style house in California for a million bucks or whatever in some places. And you can come to Texas and, you know, buy two acres and buy a house and not work for three years, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, so, um, so that's happening. Um, at the same time, a let's lot do of that, guys. let's do okay, that. Let's just yeah. do that. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> do you see an yeah. Aaron? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, at the same time, a lot of the, a lot of the, uh, historic ranches, uh, in, in central Texas in particular, you know, that you maybe been in the family for a hundred, 150 years or something. And, um, and now they've fallen to heirs, maybe a large group of heirs, you know, a bunch of grandkids or something that, um, nobody wants to raise cattle. Nobody wants to farm. Nobody wants to live on the ranch. They all live in the city now. Um, they want their money out of it yeah. and they can, they can sell it to a developer, uh, who's going to carve it up into, you know, one acre or half acre lots, uh, for just a ton of money, millions and millions of dollars. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, you can't really blame them for doing that. But at the same time, we're losing those huge buffers that that uh, natural cover that absorbs water and recharges the springs. Um, so to answer your original question, the growth has been explosive and it's outpacing uh, both our infrastructure, uh, as, you know, for transportation, for instance, and mm -hmm. um, our the resources that we have available when it comes to water in particular. And um, the state of Texas says that in 50 years, um, we're going to have about an 8 million acre feet shortfall uh, in water availability from any source across oh. the state. Um, right now, we use less than about 15, something around 13, 14, 15 million acre feet a year. Um, and that capacity is diminishing as well as they draw down the aquifers. Some of those aquifers, um, the sandy aquifers, uh, can't recharge. Again, they kind of collapse on themselves. Um, and uh, so we don't have the groundwater, which, of course, is connected to the surface water. Um, so uh, it's a real problem. I, I mean, I think seawater desalination, desalination will be important in the future. Um, and, uh, you know, we've got lots of brackish groundwater desal plants operating in Texas already. Um, the first seawater desal plant is supposed to go in down near Rockport. Um, and there's a lot of opposition locally. People are real worried about that. Um, and I don't think they're paying attention to the fact that um, if, you know, with that huge shortfall that we have coming up, that if we, you know, if we don't figure out an alternate source of water, um, that, you know, that 8 million acre feet shortfall in, in 50 years and maybe sooner um, leaves nothing for the streams, leaves nothing for environmental flows. And of course, those rivers feed the estuaries, which, which, um, create all that life that you guys saw when you were down there. So there's currently a struggle between development and maintaining the ecosystems. I don't think it's gotten to the point where there's a struggle. I mean, there's certainly, there are certainly conservation groups that have sprung up around specific 
projects and specific streams. Um, for a long time, uh, there's a, a pretty uh, powerful uh, nonprofit in Austin called Sa the Save Our Springs Alliance or Save Our Springs Coalition, SOS. And they were created to specifically to protect Barton Springs, um, which is right downtown. And there's an endangered salamander that only lives there. And in fact, a lot of our springs, including in Georgetown and other places, have these salamanders that evolved in that spring and are found nowhere else. Um, so they use the Endangered Species Act and some some other laws to um, protect the Barton the Barton Springs themselves, and also the, the aquifer recharge zone, and impose some. Uh, some development limits there. That's cool. Um, so yeah, so those things have happened, um, and uh, but I would say that we're just kind of waking up to it right now, and um, people are starting to get a little bit organized, and and um, you know one of the first steps is uh, collecting baseline data on water quality and fish communities. Um, you know, so I think that's yeah. I think that's where we are right now. I hope we're in time. Yeah, I hope yeah. so too. But I mean, yeah. it's, it seems like you're at a point of opportunity where like the development hasn't happened yet. So oh, maybe I'm wrong. No, it's happening. It's, it's happening. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. happening. Right. Yeah, as, as we speak. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're talking, uh, some of these ranches, especially the ones, you know, I, I pay attention to the ones along the rivers yeah. are, you know, being converted into like, you know, four or five, 600 home, uh, subdivisions. Neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah subdivisions. Exactly. Jeez. Yeah. And, you know, so that's added impervious cover. That's uh, mm. more fertilizers on lawns. That's, you know, and we've seen it. We've seen, you know, especially during the summer, we'll get some big algae blooms on some of these, uh, on some of these streams, you know, and um, yeah, it's, you know, it's unfortunate. So um, it's a guarantee uh, that of all of the, you know, the 48 described, uh, reaches of water in the book that um, if if you were to fish all 48 in a week, uh, at least one of those places would be compromised. And Gosh. you'd say you didn't want to get in the water there um, because that's just where we are right now. Um, now, it'll flush out in the next big rain and be great again. Uh, and then it might be some other place, you know, that's not that's not welcoming. So um, so it's happening right now. Yeah. Well, even more reason for, you know, anglers and conservationists to mobilize and mitigate any kind of negative influence that has, right? I think that's, I mean, good time for your book to come out. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, right? yeah for sure. Um, one thing I'm kind of curious about, and this is kind of more of a broad kind of thing, but sure. Texas angler, you know, in and around Austin, what does a typical fishing outing look like? Like, you're like, I'm going to go hit the water. What do you what do you do? Where where's your favorite river? You don't have to say the name if you want to protect it. But what is your favorite kind of stream? What is the kind of fly? Oh, fucking names. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but you got people got to read it. You know, pick up the book, give it a read, and then you'll be in on the information. The podcast too accessible, man. Like, what is yeah. your kind of uh, what's your ideal fishing day look like in, in Texas? Yeah. So. Um... And listen, I don't mind giving names. Like, like, like Alda said, that's what I, that's what I did. Uh, and, uh, um, and, and plus I just bust, you know, I busted out, uh, Joe and Matt's spots earlier. So just from listening yeah. to the podcast, but, um, <laughs> but Sorry, Joe. No, it's, Sorry, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I, so they're pickup trips. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I, 
and this may just be me. I don't plan ahead a lot on these things uh, mm. when I'm just fishing. I mean, I had to for the book, but um, so tomorrow afternoon, uh, you know, kids are we're homeschooling the kids now, and uh, they're out. They're out for the rest of the year. It looks like. Um, right. Right. Tomorrow we're gonna have a field trip. I'm thinking to, to the North San Gabriel River. The white bass run should still be happening, nice. so we're gonna take a mile and a half hike downstream until we get to where the fish are and maybe catch some fish. You know. Um, that's and I'll probably tie up some some small you know size eight or ten clousers some flashy clousers for the white bass this evening. Okay. Um, and I'm a I'm a just in time fly tire. I'm like, what do I need tomorrow? Um, yeah, I hear yeah, you. Same, same man. Yeah. <laughs> in a so, big way. Like maybe br- bring the time material and, and try and crack off a few squirmy worms in the trunk before <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, before yeah, getting the over. Yeah. Device on the uh, on the dashboard. Yeah. But, uh, but, um, so that's tomorrow. So, um, uh, let me see Saturday. I've, I've actually got a date, you know, a fly fishing date. Uh, we're, we're doing a, um, a buddy of mine who's a guide down here, uh, Texas monthly, which is our, a, a fairly big publication here. Um, and does a lot of long form creative nonfiction. Um, they are doing a, an overall story on fishing in Texas cool. and, but it includes fly fishing, of course. And uh, so we took the we took the rider on a on a float trip down the river fishing for um, uh, rainbow trout the uh, two weeks ago or something. And now they want to send a photographer out and get some photos. So um, that's cool. That's yeah. Cool. So so I'm meeting I'm meeting him and the photographer uh, Saturday morning early to um, to you know all be six feet apart and yeah so we can't all go down the river in the raft now which is you know that's interesting yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that's true right that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so some of us are gonna have to like wait up yeah. but uh but that's fine and um yeah so i mean so that's planned um uh, tomorrow afternoon uh i've got a buddy who's a, a surgeon here in town a, a physician and um he's going to be on call for the hospital but probably won't have a lot to do hopefully and uh if he has a little free time we may meet down at brushy creek nice. uh in round rock and fish for an hour you know yeah. so that's that's often what it looks like around here it's just a little pickup trip yeah. um you know mm-hmm. throw six flies in your bag and and uh you drive to the location and hop in the water you yeah. Know? yeah that's fun i can dig it yeah hey, and man. right here in George- and right here in georgetown we've got uh berry creek and we've got uh three three forks of the san gabriel river yeah uh, and they're all different you know they all offer something different um they're all fishable accessible so um yeah there's just a ton of water that's cool man i can dig it i think like uh yeah, uh, yeah. what are you gonna say all though i was just gonna say like i'm just i've got the book in front of me i'm just flipping through the, the photos of and it's just such a varied yeah i'm doing the same wa- waterway like i'm looking at waterfalls i'm looking at yeah. You know, I'm looking at really, really clear streams, like thick brush, but then there's also like, yeah, I don't know. Like it just seems like such a melange. So yeah. Yeah. A nice variety of ecosystems to explore. Yeah. I think that's true. In a variety of fish too, uh, you know, there's, yes. um, you know, some of the trout streams that I fish out in New Mexico and Colorado and Arizona are, are they're, they're essentially salmonid monocultures right i mean that's all that lives there maybe some creek chubs or something but that's it i mean you've got one species of fish there and um and here it's almost like saltwater fishing where you never know quite what you're going to catch I mean, right, right, right. 
might be a flounder, right? I mean, you never know. And uh, I mean, it's not going to be a flounder in the river, but uh, but you know, it could be a red horse sucker. It could, you know, it could be a, a, yeah. a freshwater drum. Could be sunfish, bass, whatever. Yeah. Going back to the fish, just really quick. So you have the Guadalupe bass, which is a, a native species, but there's also something in your book that I'd never heard of before. Uh, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but a cyclid? Oh, cichlid. Cichlid. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's oh, an yeah. aquarium. That's a very popular aquarium fish. Um, okay. You guys might be able to find it at PetSmart or whatever you have in town there. Um, <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah, as as called a you know they'll call it a Texas cichlid. We call it a Rio Grande cichlid. Um, it's the only cichlid species that is uh, native to North America and um, or native to the United States, I should say. I mean, Mexico is part of North America, but uh, it's uh, and its actual historic range is limited to South Texas, um, the Rio Grande River, and possibly uh, and its tributaries and possibly the Nueces River. Um, in 1928 or 29, for reasons that I, I swear to God, I I called so many people at US Fish and Wildlife Service to try to figure out why they did this, nobody knows. Um, they moved a bunch of those fish from South Texas up to their fish hatchery in San Marcos, which is in the area covered in the book, and started propagating them and then stocking them in these spring-fed rivers. And um, <clears throat> in the summertime, we think of the spring-fed rivers as, as cool because they're you know, about 72 degrees on average coming out of the springs. Um, but so, so in, <laughs> yeah, in wintertime, that's warm, right? <laughs> and so these spring-fed rivers provide a, a thermal refuge for the cichlids, and they do quite well. Um, we don't see them a lot in wintertime. Uh, they kind of disappear. I've always pictured them like, you know, with their little fish suitcases boarding a bus for <laughs> Mexico. Yeah. Uh, like, like people yeah. going to Florida from New York or something. And um uh, so they go hide out, they congregate around streams or do something. I don't know what they do. Um, but then springtime comes around and they've got a really long breeding season, uh, spawning season. So, uh, we'll, we start seeing them about this time of year, uh, and then all the way through October, November. Huh. Um, and they get to about 12 or 14 inches. I mean, they're a pan fish, but they're strikingly colored. They're, yeah, they look like saltwater fish. Yeah, they're suit. They look like a reef fish almost, don't yeah, they? You know, yeah. Blue, so uh, cool. aqua spots all over them. And uh, one of my friends says it says it's like holding the Milky Way or something, you know, which mm. I thought was really cool. That's really uh, romantic. It is yeah. really cool way to look at it. Yeah, and uh, and they're picky, um, and they uh, um, they're brood garters. So after they ha after they hatch about two thousand eggs, they'll yeah. parents hang around and and guard their their fry huh. uh, and uh they um and they fight like crazy you know they use that broad body really to their advantage you know just like a huge bluegill or something and yeah. um they're, they're a lot of fun to catch that's cool they look super cool. Really cool yeah you guys come down and and we'll get you guadalupe bass and cichlids and whatever else you don't you don't really encounter sounds good to us man we're definitely down for that another redfish trip oh. too maybe I've, yeah. I've had this idea where we fly in Austin, we all fish for a bit, and then get in a car and drive to Rockport and go bug Joe. Yeah. I have, that same, I have that I've same idea. That too, same actually. idea, kind of. Yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> so, yeah. And a lot of the waterways, uh, the smallmouth, do they all have that similar sort of like overall brown and bronzy kind of color? Because it's, it's almost like it's, they're, they're missing their stripes a little bit for the smallmouth. 
because it's such a contrast of where we are. Um, but now that I'm looking like this, they're almost like spots. It's kind of lovely. Yeah. So you're talking about the smallmouth or the or yeah. the guav? No, the smallies. Uh, yeah. So um, we, I mean, we do see some really, some really vividly vertically barred fish. Um, you know, kind of, you know, typical of what you would see um, where you are. But um, yeah, we have a lot that are a little more uniform, uh, kind of a brown color. Um, and it could be also that those are hybrids. I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they've been quite successful in hybridizing with Guadalupe bass and, and uh, small mouth, uh, spotted bass as well. Spotted bass, here. yeah. Yeah. And we even have some, you know, our geneticists at the state have found fish that are tri hybrids that, you know, have <sighs> spotted Guadalupe and smallmouth genes. They have even, they've even found uh, a couple of fish that are quad hybrids that have large mouth small mouth spotted in guadalupe jeans so well, that's cool that's interesting yeah so yeah very fruitful healthy area yeah for sure yeah it's awesome i, I think that. do you know what i think it's time for mitchy's fishy really? spies baby I we can go on forever though i know but we i saw so I, I the reason i'm so excited is because i have a sound <laughs> effect for it because i recorded a sound effect for this for mitchy's fishies five which is the segment of the show where we ask those same five questions to our guests but it's uh did i read it i'm no i'm gonna see if it works i'm gonna mitchy's fishies five hey look at that it worked it's just me singing it <laughs> all right <laughs> you drunk singing that yeah it's just me singing it i recorded it the other night uh it's the it's the way to intro five mitchy's fishies five like i said the same five questions we ask every time to our guests uh aaron you ready to are you ready to mitchy's fishies five yeah, man, I guess. Okay, wicked. I can't, <laughs> I can't wait for these responses. Uh, okay, so the first one uh, we got here is, what is your favorite fish and why? Yeah, I'd love to say it's one of these fish that I've been, you know, that I included in the book, but it's yeah. not. It's uh, and, and I love all those fish. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's it's got to be the snook. Uh, oh, cool. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, they're just, I mean, they're such amazing. They're be- I think they're gorgeous, and they... Um, you know, they, they, they're ambush predators. They eat like bass. They've got a lot of bass, like, you know, a big old bucket mouth on them. Yep. Um, they are challenging to catch. Uh, and, and when you do hook one, uh, it pulls like a redfish and jumps like a tarpon. I mean, yeah. what more could you want? Right. Oh man. I, I, I've seen photos and videos of people catching snook and they look, they look buck wild. Like I'd love to catch a snook. buck wild. Yeah. They're the so cool. Wild. And they're so cool looking too, you know, like, that big black stripe down their side. Yeah, it's got a racing stripe. Well, yeah. I mean, what more do you want from a fish, right? I, know. <laughs> I remember when I caught my first one in Florida. It was, it was, yeah, it was like you said, buck wild. Just took off. Yeah. Did you guys catch some in, in Mexico when you were down there? I hooked no. one. No. I hooked one and lost one. We saw a ton, though. Yeah. Like, uh, but uh, our our guide, Rhett, uh, he said they're notoriously picky. So what they do is they kind of like hang in the surf, like about two, three feet from well basically the shore yeah right so you just you're up on the shore and you can spot them pretty easily and they look like big submarines and they're big fish but yeah they're pretty picky they're pretty picky i hooked yeah. and i hooked one and lot i came back with a scale oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah and, they, and they also have you know those razor sharp uh gill plates right and uh-huh. um you know that's typically why we fish with you know 30 or 40 pound fluorocarbon as a bite leader right uh because they will, I mean, they can, they turn and run and they, they flare their gills and they, they can just cut that, you know, right away. Yeah. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Is that a wooden snook on your wall behind your head? 
Yeah, I was going to ask. Is, it, is that what that is, a snook back oh. there? Yeah, well, I'll walk back there for you. That's uh, <laughs> It's actually metal art that oh, cool. was uh, made out of um, car hoods, I think, or car bumpers that's or something. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, we're looking at that's these cool. fish that, that are on uh, Aaron's wall. And that's a snook up there, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's, cool. that's a snook, and that's a redfish. Cool. And, I mean, you know, the artist's conception. But, sure. But those are <laughs> actually... Those were actually to commemorate specific fish that I caught. So, you know, oh, so, no way. That's cool. yeah, instead of to get a mount or something, you know, they did that. Oh, that's a good idea. That's really cool. Yeah. I love that. That is cool. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember the story behind the, the redfish and the snook? I think, I think the snook was the, I don't know. It was like a water body record or something for, that's for, cool. For, or Corpus Christi Bay or something. I don't know. What oh, I don't know. Or... It was just like a world record or whatever. <laughs> yeah, not a, nothing like a world record, but it was, uh, you know, it was something like that, or maybe it was the first, uh, maybe it was the first uh, slot size snook I caught. I, I, I love that. They did metal yeah, fish, man. I love that. Instead of mounting the yeah. fish, they just make it. That's super cool. I love that. I love yeah, yeah. it. Great, man. Um, Mitchie's fishing number two, baby. Here we go. If you could fish anywhere in the world right now, where would you go and why? Anywhere, assuming it's the best time to go, best season, where would you go? So John Gierick writes about um, Labrador a lot yeah. and the huge brook trout there. Yeah. Uh, and I think despite the, the mosquitoes, the black flies, that's that's probably at the top of my bucket list. Yeah, that's, that's where you want to go and try to fish, out east. Eastern Canada. Yeah. I think so, man. I, cause I mean, there, you know, there, I've caught brook trout, but, um, never a native brook trout and, uh, never a huge brook trout. And, um, I've never caught a salmon. So, you know, if I could go to a river where I'd have shots at both of those out mm-hmm. in the middle of freaking nowhere, I think that would be awesome. Come on up. Dude, bang All an right. answer. Absolute bang we'll an answer. You. It's uh, a, yeah. yeah. I mean, we'd love to go fish out in Labrador too. It looks absolutely insane. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. John was crazy telling answer. us about it, and it's just like, good lord, the pictures and the stories. It's just like, yeah, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Yeah, and uh, Newfoundland's got to have some of that too, right? I mean, I would guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, yeah. the Gas Bay, all the way to the Gas Bay was Atlantic salmon, and all over Quebec is big brookies, and Northern Ontario's got big brook trout fishing, and oh man, yeah, no, Canada's right yeah. for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I yeah. think with yeah. with Newfoundland, right? It's 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 the island, so they don't get. As much as those of those inland brookies, mm-hmm. okay. Labrador does because Labrador is like the north. Like if you look at where Quebec is, Labrador is like kind of the northeastern tip of that, right? Right. They're yeah. like north. They're up there. Like, yeah. They're yeah. like up there. Dog sled uh, country. If you don't follow Tight Loops, Tight Loops did a pretty cool video about yeah. a trip up up in the middle of Labrador. Just we'll send it to you. Catching, catching. Oh, yeah, please brookies. do. Yeah, that'd be awesome. It really, it didn't hit the festival circuit or whatever, but uh, I know the Drake gave it a lot of love. Um, but uh, yeah, Tight Loops are pretty cool filmmakers, and they love yeah. their obsessed with trout for some yeah. reason. <laughs> they went <laughs> yeah. up there, and um, yeah, check that. Awesome. Out. Great answer. Great answer. Yeah, great answer. Um, number three, what is your best or favorite fishing memory? Favorite fishing memory. Huh. It is a tough one. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. <laughs> um, uh, last July, um, I took uh, 
we took a family. It was supposed to be a family vacation. My wife got sick. She didn't go. So it ended up being me, uh, my oldest son, Patrick, and then my two younger sons, Connor and Aiden. And um, so we did some last minute, uh, you know, uh, molding of the of the schedule because it had included things like um, hotels and resorts. And uh, so it became a strictly camping trip with the guys. Cool. And um, we drove uh 13 hours out to um a place just north of taos new mexico um a, a segment of the carson national forest called uh, valle vidal yeah and um there's a, a pretty famous little uh, uh river there um that uh has some really big trout we didn't actually fish that we fished some of its tributaries comanche creek um, for Rio Grande cutthroat and, um, some t- just tiny, I mean, literally step across water, um, these yeah. little headwaters yeah. creeks at, you know, 10,000 feet Jeez. that held, that held native fish. And, um, you know, so we, we did that. And then from there we went, we were going to go to, uh, uh, great sand dunes national park, which doesn't sound that great for trout fishing, but, uh, <laughs> they've got a, a four wheel drive only road that goes up into the Sangre de Cristo national, uh, wilderness. And, um, that road follows and actually crosses about six times, uh, uh, Medano Creek and Medano Creek is the meta population of Rio Grande cutthroat, uh, in the Southwest and Colorado. Anyway, um, it was reclaimed for them back in the eighties or nineties. And, um, has some really cool beaver ponds on it. And then if you follow it up into the mountains, there's an Alpine Lake at about 12,500 feet that has like four and five pound, uh, cutthroats, native cutthroat. But just, just a ton of like 12 to 17 inch fish in this Creek and they're all willing eaters. And, um, you know, you've got a ton of wildlife. And, um, so yeah, so we spent, eight days, nine days or something on that road trip. And, uh, um, the, the road hadn't opened yet because they had such a huge snowpack last year, um, that it had a pro, they had a prolonged runoff and, uh, the road was washed out. So, you know, I was calling every day uh, to check the status. And so we were leaving New Mexico and we were going to just hop right up to great sand dunes and, um, still wasn't open. So I'm like, all right, change of plans. Let's head over towards Gunnison and we'll find some, uh, we'll find the Cimarron, uh, the forks of the Cimarron river, you know, fish well. And I thought the higher we went, the better chance that we'd find some good water. So we headed over there, spent the night. And, uh, I just happened to check my phone the next morning on the website and they said the road opened today. So we turned back around, went <laughs> over the continental divide and back down to, uh, sand dunes and we're, we were probably like the fifth car up there all year oh, and um fish some spots that i'd fished the year before and uh maybe had not been fished since because we fished late last year so yeah. uh, it was just a terrific trip and it was a terrific trip to have all three you know have all three of my boys together they all caught their first uh mm-hmm. their first cutthroat routes and um that's cool yeah just a good time that's an awesome story man that sounds, that yeah. sounds wild <laughs> yeah yeah a decent adventure and success. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Number four, Mitchie's Fishies Five, is why do you fly fish? Why do you fly fish? Uh, 
well, I can't not fly fish, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, for me, uh, as some of your other guests have said, I mean, for me, it really started out as kind of a therapy thing, uh, kind of a, um, uh, you know, a restorative, mm-hmm. contemplative kind of thing, um, almost a spiritual thing, uh, you know, a devotional sort of thing. Uh, it's it seems like it doesn't matter really what's going on in my life. If, if, if something's bothering me or if I, um, you know, have a question I can't resolve or I have writer's block or I, you know, got in a fight with my wife or work's going crappy or whatever it might be. I, I hit the water for a couple of hours and it doesn't even matter if I catch anything, yeah. um, you know, just, just being out there it makes everything better, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I, I guess, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question. But no, it totally does. I think yeah, like, it totally does. It's, yeah. a, it's like your way of kind of doing nothing in a way, right? You just are able to step out of all the stuff and go and just kind of do your thing. I totally 100% agree. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. I love it. Number five, baby. Mitchie's Fishy's five. What fly right. pattern? Okay, so if you were a fly, what fly pattern would you be? What fly represents you best and why? What is the Aaron Reed fly? I bet it's going to be a real So I actually need this some thought, this, this particular question, because, you know, I, I, I'm a fan of the podcast, so I know this yeah. is coming. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I still didn't, wasn't able to settle on anything. Um, so I wanted to say orange stimmy. Okay. Because, um, I mean, I get, what is that, supposed to look like a salmon fly or something? I mean, I've never fished a place with salmon flies, so I don't know. Yeah. But, but, yeah, it but also, they work I, up here. <laughs> yeah, they do work. For you guys, yep. yeah, yeah. So I mean, it also can it can also mimic a hopper, right? And um, and you know, native trout in Colorado, Arizona, and New Mexico love them. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that, but I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna give some props to my buddy Matt Bennett. He's a Umqua signature tire here in Austin. His flies are in the book. Um, but uh, the carpet bomb. Carpet um, bomb. Okay. What is the, the carpet car- bomb? Oh, you're showing us right now. We're going to have oh, to get a nice. picture of this thing. That fly looks great. The carpet bomb. Yeah. Um, locked and loaded. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you, can tie, you can tie it from like size four down to like, I think Matt ties it down to size 10. Um, but uh, there's a better picture in the book if you guys want to look at it. But I love it. Um, it yeah, I, saw, uh, I think I saw it. It could be a crawfish. Yeah. It could be a dragonfly nymph. Yep. You don't really know. Uh, and even though it's named for carp, it's a fantastic bass fly. Oh, I bet. It looks like and, it. Oh, man. It looks like it, yeah. And you can crawl. Oh, it. carp it bomb. Yeah. Oh, God. Carp. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you can crawl it along the bottom like a crawfish. You can fish it like a streamer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's, I, I mean, I've caught, uh, I've caught trout on this in Arizona. Um, I've, I've caught bass on it. I've caught carp on it. I've caught uh, catfish on it. I've caught sunfish on it. I've caught um, I caught a redfish on it. Yeah. I was going to say fact, you could probably catch redfish. On it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, Matt makes some saltwater versions and kind of like crabby, shrimpy colors. Um, Love it. But uh, yeah, it's just a great all-purpose fly. I mean, if I only had one fly to fish, it would be a clouser or this. So if you were yeah, a fly, you'd be the carpet bomb. I would, because you don't really know what it is, but somehow it works. I love yeah. it. I love it. <laughs> Perfect yeah, for smallmouth. <laughs> I love, love it. it. 
It's a great fly. 100% that thing yeah. works for smallmouth. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Big time. That's it for Mitchie's Fishies yeah. 5, man. I love those answers. They're great. Thanks, man. Yeah. And, carpet uh, bomb. I'll never forget that. I think I think I got to get some carpet bombs to fish uh, bass oh, over yeah. there, which is in a couple months. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, your cottage, man. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe I'll have to send you some. Oh, th- that would be amazing. Oh, my God. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah. I love carpet bomb. That's great. So what do you think? You think olive would work well for you guys, or you want a rust yeah. color? Or? Oh man, olive, olive, olive black, yeah. white—all those colors would work. All those standard yeah. kind of base fly colors would work amazing, you know. Right on. All right, it. I'll get you some. Ooh. Aaron, nice. thank you, man. Thank you so much for thank coming you, on the show today, dude. Like this has been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, man, it's been a blast. I I, I really uh, have enjoyed it, and uh, like I said, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of the the show and uh, appreciate you guys letting me talk about the book. Oh man, that yeah, means, of course. That means oh, so much yeah, to us. Our pleasure. I mean, it's an awesome book. Like it's, book. it's a wealth of knowledge. Like there's, you know, like I said, there's a, there's a ton of streams and river knowledge and it really makes you open your eyes to central Texas Yeah, as a, as a serious fishing destination, which is awesome. Right on. Yeah. And craft breweries and uh, distilleries yeah. and, you know, yep. and bourbon. The yeah, whole culture, right. the whole yeah. culture of it. I think it's, uh, really, yeah. I think it's very cool that, that Texas has such an interesting fly fishing community and that, uh, and that, that are kind of experiences of cross paths in a way, you know, that, uh, we fish Rockport. You grew up in Rockport. First fish on the fly was a redfish down there. I think that's super cool. Yeah. It's super yeah, cool. for sure, man. And honestly, I mean, next time you guys come in, fly into Austin yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, uh, rent a car and we'll, uh, yeah. do some fishing around here and, and, and we'll, head we'll go about Joe. Yeah, you better believe it. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent, man. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, since Joe lives here half time, you don't even have to rent a car. We'll just all drive down together, or something, you know. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, (laughs) I love it. And there's some some fantastic barbecue between between here and uh, Uh, speaking our language. We got we got some really good barbecue the minute we landed. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, Matt I'm in isolation. Yeah, man. Our friend talk Matt, Maddie Dawson <laughs> took care of that for sure. It was great. Oh, barbecue, love it. <laughs> yeah, Yoma, you really missed out on this thing, didn't you? Oh, he did. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Big time. But we'll be back. We're gonna take Yoma back. He's gonna have a ton of fun. It's gonna be great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aaron, any party words where maybe people can uh, order your book or or follow you on Instagram or whatever whatever you want to leave people with yeah man um well hey i'll say this um you know i we've been really fortunate the you know the book's out may one um and we've already got a ton of pre-orders on uh amazon uh there was i I don't know how those algorithms work but one day one day i actually had like the number one new release in fishing books and uh, John Garrick's new book was like number five and uh, that made me really happy. So oh, that must've nice. been the day my mom, that must've been the day my mom bought a couple of copies. So I appreciate everyone who's, who's purchased the book, but um, if you, if you want to buy the book now, I would really appreciate it if yeah. uh, you go through one of our local fly shops and, uh, or you can ask your local fly That's shop cool. wherever you are, they can get it through regular distribution channels. But uh, Living Waters Fly Fishing uh, in Round Rock and uh, Real Fly Fishing Adventures down in Canyon Lake will both have uh, plenty of copies. And I'm actually going to go in and sign all those copies uh, before um, before April 21st. And my publisher has kindly allowed them to send those out 
uh, April 21st. So you'll actually probably get it before you'd get it from Amazon if you go through another shop. Boom. I love it. And support the fly shop too, you know? Like get the get the Yeah, that's the what I love shop. about it. It's, yeah. yeah. Sorry that's to I keep cutting you off, Mitch, in this episode. I apologize. That's buddy. okay, baby. It's the the complications of recording over video chat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aaron. Yeah, right on. Yeah. I mean, so we want these fly shops to be here when all this is over, right? A hundred percent. hundred percent. Yeah, and they're and they're they're closed down right now. I mean, there's nothing they can do at the moment. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, support yeah, our, the shops. Our, our fly shop uh, drift just uh, up the street from me. Uh, they're doing a little delivery system. Oh, just that's like, awesome. Yeah. Absolutely, baby. Aaron, thank you so much again for coming on the show, man. It has been absolutely Thanks. fantastic. Yeah, Mitch, Aldo, Yoma, thanks so much. Um, no problem. Keep up, keep up the great work, man. You guys are you guys are doing good stuff. Oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate, appreciate uh, that. Yeah. the kind yeah. words for sure. And we'll, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll meet in person sooner rather than later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, for Absolutely, sure. Absolutely, man. Uh, and everybody listen and check out the show notes for uh, any links to uh, Aaron's book. And uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Aaron, again, it's been a pleasure. And uh, like Aldo said, we will, we will connect down the road soon. And uh, thanks again for coming on the show. For sure, man. Appreciate it. Okay. Take awesome. care. Nice to meet you. Bye. Hey, likewise, guys. Thanks. Bye. Well, that was, uh, that was Aaron Reed, and that was a fantastic call. Um, Aaron, again, thank you so much for calling in. Um, that was great. That was super fun to talk about fishing in Texas. Oh, it was amazing. I mean, how funny is it that we went to Rockport and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. here we are talking to somebody from Rockport and yeah, it's life, you know, life, yeah, life happens like that. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I love how that worked out. It was great. I mean, like it was super it was cool great. to um, hear about Rockport fishing from a different person's perspective and uh, and also just fishing in Texas, you know, because like I always thought about, like I said on the thing, I always thought about fishing in Texas as reservoirs and like you know, my, my big largemouth bass and watching uh, – the fishing shows of people down in the U.S. fishing big largemouth in Texas. Bill Dance and Roland Martin. Bill Dance. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Fucking yeah. Bill Dance. Yeah. So it's like kind of cool <clears throat> to hear about, you know, the fishery from a fly fishing perspective. and eh. Yeah, like I said, there's a lot of information in his book. Like it goes stream by stream. Mm-hmm. And like, it went, oh, what was that? Whoa, Yelma just sent a little email. Look at him doing work at 7.37 p.m. It's Dav's video. Oh, good old Dav. Good old uh, Dav. But uh, yeah, but it just goes stream by stream and just packed full of information. I feel if you wanted to go there or even if you're from there, yeah, that would be a pretty good resource. Check it out. Check out the book. We'll put the the where you can get it in the show notes um, so you can pick the book up and um, give it a read for sure because it's, yeah, like like all those said, it's full of good information. And, and um, I never, What's that, Yola? No, I, I never said this on the show, but like, so much wildlife in that book you know it's not just the fish but it's all the different species it's yeah. like um, amphibians and reptiles and it's crazy yeah i know you, aaron's gone into like a lot he's gone deep he's gone deep mm-hmm. on the wildlife and i love that i think the conservation section stuff is really cool too yeah absolutely i mean there's so many parallels between their community and ours you know 100 mm-hmm. i think it's great to see that uh whether you're in texas indiana toronto West Coast, East Coast, whatever, wherever you are, there's these problems that we're all kind of talking about. But um, yeah, yeah, it's good that we talk about them. Absolutely. Well, guys, everybody at home, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, couldn't thank you enough. Again, um, yeah, every show coming out Sunday because uh, we're in isolation. And while we're stuck behind our computers inside our tiny apartments in Toronto, we're going to try to bring you fly fishing content. 
And uh, we got some good shows lined up in the, in the coming weeks. So thank you for listening. Hopefully the, uh, the FaceTime over the internet Skype Zoom stuff is working out well for you. Uh, yep. But thanks for listening. Thanks, everybody, for listening. That is it for me, Mitch Yelma. That's it for me. Thanks. Aldo. Thanks, everybody. See you later. You can find all of SoFly's content at SoFly.ca. On Instagram, we're at the SoFly Crew. You can reach us at thesofflycrew at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. On Facebook, we're SoFly, and our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify.